0: The following
1: podcast contains explicit language.
0: I'm a little surprised he's still tweeting about this stuff. It still really gets to him.
1: But just think for a moment how unusual it should be for a president of the United States to cavalierly and repeatedly say things that are simply not true. And again, we have very limited answers. We have a nothing
2: to look at here. It's all fine. Don't worry about it. We got it underhand.
0: Hello and welcome to TrumpCast. I'm Virginia Heffernan. TrumpCast is the show where we don't just rearrange deck chairs on the Trump-tannic. We splinter them. We get fingerprints and DNA from them and try to turn them into flotation devices. So we never end up in what they call and Get Out, the sunken place. Today we're aiming to get some confidence in our troubled times from that good old pastime of coastal elites, pedantry, and quibbling over definitions, by which I mean we're talking about either the desecration or the enlivening of the language by hot-tempered politics and even by Donald Trump himself. My guest on this topic is Peter Sukolowski, editor-at-large at at Merriam-Webster, the Great Dictionary of American English. But first, the tweets.
2: No matter how much I accomplish during the ridiculous standard of the first hundred days, and it has been a lot, including Supreme Court, media will kill. The two fake news polls released yesterday, ABC and NBC, while containing... Some very positive info were totally wrong in general election. Watch. Eventually, but at a later date, so we can get started early, Mexico will be paying in some form for the badly needed border wall. Don't let the fake media tell you. And I have changed my position on the wall. It will get built and help stop drugs, human trafficking, etc. First, the Ninth Circuit rules against the ban. And now it hits again on Sanctuary City's both ridiculous rulings. See you in the Supreme Court.
0: editor-at-large at at Merriam-Webster. He's going to help us make sense of our turbulent American language, the way it's changing now, and the way it's staying the same. Peter, it is so good to have you here.
1: It's great to be here. Thanks for asking.
0: I think you're our first lexicographer um, (laughs) on Trumpcast, which brings me to what I hope will be the theme of the day, which is Caesar non supra grammaticos Even Caesar is not above the grammarians, to which I will add lexicographers like yourself. (laughs) What can dictionary life teach us about Trump? I'll begin by asking you about this uptick in interest in dictionaries. To what do you at Merriam-Webster attribute this new run on spelling and parts of speech and definitions and capsule etymology (laughs) that dictionaries specialize in? Well, you know, I think...
1: What's going on is that there is a national conversation about language more broadly that's taking place, and the dictionary has a natural place in that conversation. We have been monitoring the data from our online dictionary for for 20 years now. In fact, we put it online in 1996, and the first big news event that was widely shared online was the death of Princess Diana, and that was also the first time we noticed that we could watch the news in real time through the prism of vocabulary. What I mean by that is that we had seen that the words that were looked up in our dictionary tended to be kind of SAT words. They were tough words, abstract words, words that grown-ups look up, uh, words like ubiquitous and integrity and pragmatic and conundrum, also words that are just tough in English like affect and effect. But then when Princess Diana died, we saw the word paparazzi jump to the top. And then at her funeral, the word cortège and words like that, borrowings from modern French with French pronunciations are frequently looked up because people want to click and listen to that, that phonetic uh, pronunciation. And then also the word princess itself was looked up. So we saw this interest and this curiosity that went through the, you know, the Clinton impeachments and 9-11 and Michael Jackson's death and every big news event, including and especially the election. So the real story here is that the biggest subject of conversation is The current administration and politics, and that is reflected in our data. So we are seeing these words being looked up, whether they are utterances of the newsmakers or words used by the news media.
0: You know, there is so much quibbling, as you say, over language um, to do with ideology and politics on social media. Just today, I proposed that Trump has a talent for ledger demand for distraction (laughs) from the Trump Russia affair. You know very well from past exchanges, I, I. I love um, pretentious language, so um, yeah, it's a bad habit. So one person quickly said, though, that ledger demand implies cleverness, too much cleverness to be attributed to Trump. And another went straight to the French and said it it connotes or that it literally means something to do with smaller light hands mm-hmm. um, and so a point about politics devolved or evolved into a conversation about language and connotations and etymology
1: you're you're right you're exactly right. I mean our definition of legerdemain uh is a display of skill or adroitness, which I think does you know, really capture what you're talking about, you know, a, a skill and a capacity to do something.
0: Is there deception involved? I guess I, th- I think of it as a well, David Blaine word.
1: Right. So the, our first sense, our num- sense number one is sleight of hand. So, But the thing is, what you're talking about is breaking ideas down to their smallest constituent parts, and that is the word. And I think what we're seeing with a lot of these trends and two of the, the, the biggest, um, most looked up words in, in this calendar year were the word fact, after the Kellyanne Conway interview where she you know, coined the term alternative facts. And our, our, our simple sort of cut and paste tweet about that got, I think, the better part of 80,000 retweets. Wow. Um, that was simple the definition of the word our great uh, social media manager, Laura natural, who, who has a, an ability to sort of project uh, and amplify the contents of the dictionary and the articles that our our staff writes the for the, uh, the web page. Um, and, and in that instance, all she did was um, sort of put the definition there. And that was itself viewed as kind of a subversive act or a corrective act. Um, but what we were presenting was, I think, a little bit more profound and slightly more subtle, which is to say that the use of the word fact in that unusual way provoked the curiosity of many, many people in the public. And that curiosity is what we're reporting on. And that's true for every one of our Trendwatch words. And in fact, we started putting Trendwatch on our uh, website uh, in 2010, in May of 2010. In fact, the first word was the word austerity from the Greek debt crisis. So it's always been words in the news. uh, And and in this case, of course, again, the news happens to be uh, the administration.
0: Yeah, so like, let's take the change from fact. This is—it's always dicey business defending Kellyanne Conway, um, but it was not inconsistent with some of the relativism proposed by people as far afield as the deconstructionists and others who question whether there's a correspondence, whether language always stands stands in correspondence to measurable facts in the world. And well,
1: absolutely and and you know we see from the administration and from the news that many uses of words that attract a lot of attention are uses that raise the question of meaning.
0: Right, of meaning itself. So g- give me some examples, especially well, Trump, yeah, I mean there's some great examples.
1: Sure, I mean there's some great examples. I mean one one that stands out is the word the use of the word betrayal mm. Be- because it, there was a, there was Sean Spicer in a uh, press conference and the New York Times uh, correspondent asked him to define betrayal and he said I'm not going to define betrayal for you. And you better believe the whole country then looked up the word betrayal. Uh, In other words, the the, the, the news uh, actually raised the question of meaning in that case. And that was true also for a couple cases where, also at press conferences, where Sean Spicer explained that the use by Donald Trump of the word military didn't mean military. It meant precision, according to him. And so we we took a look at that and we recognized that there is a common collocation, a common and frequently seen a uh, combination of words, military precision. But military in that case is what we would call an attributive noun, that is to say a noun modifying another noun. Um, and in, in it clearly gives the word precision a color, but it never means precision by itself. Do you know what I'm saying? So, so that, that's a very good reason for people to go to the dictionary and kind of check. You know, maybe he's right. Does military mean precision? Well, no, it doesn't. Um, and there was another case where wiretap was used in a tweet um, and it was clearly not meant to mean literally wiretapping, but kind of a broad sense of surveillance. And again, uh, you know, people went to the dictionary in huge numbers, and we had a spike in that word to check on on that use of language. Fact is another one, of course. When you when when you present a term like alternative facts, you're changing, you're bending the word. I mean, our our definition is a piece of information presented as having objective reality, and you know that's something that we can sort of sit with. I mean. I, Abstract words, like fact, uh, are difficult to define, and their definitions become little nuggets of philosophy.
0: Right. So, I mean, I think in that case, Kellyanne Conway was talking about the crowds at the inauguration, and it clearly looked like to Trump, who through his eyes, the world generally looks quite deferential to him and um enthusiastic about him usually when he tells accounts of the rallies from the podium or so forth that everyone's always super enthusiastic i mean he's clearly had a subjective experience of the inauguration that it was very crowded then they count the numbers with photographs and it's flashed back to him that he has a mis had a mis impression he had wrong impression but he presented as fact his way of seeing things And I don't think Kellyanne Conway was so off there
1: Right, but the, 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 I think the, the cognitive dissonance that drew people, I think, to the dictionary was this sort of confrontation between the subjective and the objective, mm-hmm. um, and and that is something that will always drive people to the dictionary. In other words, uh, one very good reason for people to look up words is to correct another person. Yes, you know, o- often that's a sibling or or it's a, it's a, in a classroom situation, but sometimes it's in a in a public uh, situation like this one.
0: So I that that seems to be one one reason um, pedantry or the the like juicy opportunity to to correct someone for a turn to the dictionary what's another one I mean I see a little bit of like a fear of being left behind or a kind of panic even a status panic what is mm. what is a bet noir what is l'état c'est moi what is what are some of these fancier expressions you know I for one had to look up uh, Immunity and and impeachment because I I don't have legal books on hand and I hoped the dictionary would lead me to the the use of those words as as terms of art.
1: Absolutely. And a term like immunity, like the word admonish, for example, uh, which was, I believe, by in raw numbers, our number one uh, looked up word in 2009 following the Joe Wilson exchange when Representative Wilson shouted, you lie to President Obama during a a State of the Union speech. Um, The term admonish was used by the Congress as his official punishment. And Mm. that's a very good example. Like immunity, both of these words, again, with classical roots, but both of these words have a kind of a general vocabulary use. But then in this instance, they suddenly seem specific and governmental and legal and technical. And whenever we see that kind of uh, a duality, a word that has a general use, but then also a specific use that may be nested within it, boy, that's why grown-ups go to the dictionary. We don't mostly look up words that we've never seen before. We look up words for nuance and subtlety. That's what sends us to the dictionary.
0: Fascinating. I didn't quite realize that. And, but there's a, and I know you all are scrooped manipulously neutral and non-ideological at Merriam-Webster. But there is a little bit of, it's a speech act, say, for Merriam-Webster to distribute the meaning, the dictionary meaning of fact on Twitter, because you seem to close the book on the question. And it seems Mm. to say, a fact is this, and you can't mess with that. And there, that is the assertion of Caesar non super grammaticos. That whatever mm. Kellyanne Conway says, a fact is a fact, and we're the people who know it. The buck stops with us.
1: Sure, and I've got. I mean, I've got a couple things to say about that. First of all, you know, the dictionary has always called balls and strikes on spelling and meaning. So we, there's a traditional cultural role that we are. Uh, asserting, and that that existed long before I ever got this job. You know that that goes back, you know, more than a hundred years. But you know, if a public figure uses language in a remarkable way, that's fair game for us to comment mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And 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 certainly that's true for uh, the definition of fact or the spelling of honor uh, or or unprecedented things like that. But you know, just to take it out of politics to show that this is the way we do things anyway. Um, the maybe the number two most retweeted. Uh, word that was looked up in our data was the word volunteer following the United Airlines incident.
0: Fascinating.
1: Um, and, yeah, exactly. And it shows you, again, the cognitive dissonance. There was their statement, the, the corporate statement using the term volunteer, and yet we had seen this video in which the gentleman had manifestly not volunteered <laughs> uh, for, for, uh, for that action. And so that drives people to the dictionary. And again, that doesn't have to be polit- political. Um, in, that, in that case, it was, uh, the entire culture was turned to this story for for a couple of days and our data proved it. But I don't dispute that obviously presenting it in this atmosphere today um and amplifying it through Twitter uh it, it becomes a speech act and to a certain extent the medium becomes the message. Twitter clearly is a medium in which we have speed and wit and irony and you know all of these things that are often applied to our tweets or are within our tweets but either way they get a lot of attention and are projected far and we can't always control what where that message lands, of course.
0: You know, it struck me that Hillary Clinton had this neologism in making a noun of deplorable, Mm. um, and she said, basket of deplorables, and the people sort of most offended by that also you know admitted they had to look it up
1: yeah i mean yeah i mean that's a really interesting point that word was an enormous spike in our data because the word itself was newsworthy obviously but also you you're correct it had this functional shift so there was a grammatical question too
0: yeah and and also you know if if two parties are are speaking different languages or two two at least two populations are speaking different languages there's such aggression over Owning the words. And it's Mm -hmm. not just, um, you know, I think of it as when Donald Trump said, oh, you can't believe I said grab him by the pussy. Well, you must not understand, quote, locker room talk, another lexicon that is alien to people or online cucks and you know, on the other side, woke and uh, and snowflakes.
1: Sure. So they're, they're sort of talking at cross purposes. And I mean, th- there's another example of one of these functional shifts, which was big league or bigly, uh, depending on how people heard it. And um, a lot of people looked up that word bigly thinking that's not a word, you know. And it turns out, of course, that Donald Trump was using big league as in major league. Mm. Um, but he was using it adverbially. He said, they, they'll raise your taxes big league. And we only define it uh, adjectively. Uh, as in a big league candidate, for example. Do you, and, Sorry,
0: do, do you really, because I think this might come as news to our listeners, do you really think he didn't say bigly? How, how, how closely did you listen to the...
1: Yeah, well, it turns out I didn't have to listen closely. Some great linguists out at um, Stanford um, did a uh, visual analysis of the audio file, and they recognized because of you know the glottal stop or something that he actually pronounced the G. So uh, I mean, big league, and so he, he and so he was actually saying big league, and that's the way he thinks of it. And so uh, you know that got a huge amount of attention too. But I always I always say one thing though: it's it, it, we're good at reading data, we're not good at reading minds. Mm. In other words, we, we, we saw huge uh, numbers of people looking up the word fascism, and a lot of people took that reportage as as being either a kind of diagnosis or an accusation. And I I would emphasize that it is neither, that curiosity is not ignorance. In fact, curiosity is kind of the opposite of ignorance. And the most important thing to remember is that, yes, fascism was among the top 20, but so was socialism and so was democracy.
0: Wow. Yeah, that, that is, that's also fascinating. I mean, the idea that you all are collect, collecting this, this kind of data, it, it seems extremely useful. Well, the other I, thing I think that it's comes hopeful, too, yeah. to see that we're, we're curious, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even if it means we want to win online, it, it also suggests <laughs> that there's a little bit of a break on our ardor about being right you know, let me, let me double check before I call Trump a fascist that, that I really know what fascism is. So the other thing that comes to mind is this, this extraordinary point by, by Masha Gessen. I don't know if I brought this up to you before that, you know, autocracy can, and I know you're not signing on to, you know, the idea that we're living in autocracy, but autocracy can take away our, can so perjure the language with misuses or with uses that have so much torque on them or propaganda implicit in them that we can sort of forget or get disoriented about what fundamental words mean in you know in our vocabulary and as an antidote to that uh, you know I think she at least has implied that Russians ought to read pre-soviet literature Tolstoy and so forth so that they can understand the richness of language before you know, before it was constrained by Soviet apparatchik language, and I think mm. it's possible that the same thing is, um, you know, is going on in the U.S. That we want a robust definition of fascism that takes into account its history, its, its, its possibly its Italian roots, so it doesn't just mean asshole fascist. You know, right. it doesn't. You don't, you don't want to like blunt its definition. It, it had such a rich history. I don't know. I mean, that makes it sound like the dictionary, especially a good dictionary, might itself be a kind of revolutionary document or a, or a pushback.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, again, because we're, we're, we're doing our own research, we're in a kind of unique position in the media landscape. In other words, uh, even the New York Times, if they're reporting on jobs figures, they're reporting on what you know, some government department reported to them, um, whereas we're reporting on original research, on our own research, uh, and that gives us again that confidence to you know to call balls and strikes on on meanings and and also you know to be open to novelty and to recognize. That, for example, as a lexicographer, when I heard basket of deplorables. What I what I heard was that innovative use of deplorable as a noun. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, of course, we took, you know, took notice of that. And maybe we someday will enter deplorable as a noun in some way. And, you know, that's that's the way that we analyze, you know, that we typically notice things uh, before we judge them. In fact, doing this job for a long time, rather than making us more judgmental, which sometimes people, I think, assume is true. I've met people who say, oh, I'm afraid to make a mistake when speaking to you, which I find, you know, really kind of tragic and sad. Um, uh, but actually, that's, it's sort of the opposite. We're, we're, we're conditioned by this job, by observing language all day, every day, to be more open and understanding and to recognize that we all express ourselves in different ways that we recognize a standard, uh, but we also recognize that language is in, is in flux and that there are standards that, that have changed over the years. Uh, but also to your point about um, the, you know, the, the, the ownership of meaning of a given term, I mean, it may not just be an autocrat that, that determines that meaning. It may also come from the atomized media landscape that we have. In other words, if we have all of these different uh, voices, uh, some of them reaching many, many people, maybe through Facebook, maybe through cable, maybe through radio, that those individual voices are also changing perhaps the way that we understand objective definitions of words too.
0: You know, I will say I don't turn to the dictionary very often because it keeps me in the bubble because I, you know, I grew (laughs) up with dictionaries and, and that's where I thought you turned for meaning. So I'm much more likely if I'm using a word that scares me or I want to try out like cuck, even in quotation marks, it's it's much more important to me to go to Urban Dictionary, mm-hmm. to ask around, to look for uses on Twitter, because I could easily put a foot wrong with a word like cuck or woke. And um, and then be reeling and be back on my heels. And I'm not going to win that argument by showing a page from the OED. I'm just not. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you use Urban Dictionary? Do you use some of the wikis? Oh, sure. I mean, absolutely. Because, you know, uh,
1: lexicography is revision, but we're looking at language in the rearview mirror, aren't we? I mean, we're waiting for sufficient evidence uh, and context before we can write a good definition. So that means that when a word is is really you know innovative or new to the to the to the general public, turns turns out that woke has been around for a few decades, but most people have only heard of it since Black Lives Matter. So it, it's a more it's you know that that's a term that we're you know that we're that we're watching and we're watching cock for sure. Um, but we we tend to wait. We're a little bit conservative mm. on that point because we don't want to add a, a, a an informal or a non standard term uh, that may Sort of uh, vanish from the language three years hence. So we do want to we do want to watch things and 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 take a little bit of time. So you know th- we're not in an arms race. Uh, you know in terms of getting the first definition up there, we want to see a good ample amount of evidence first.
0: I and back to Latin. I have every confidence that Caesar's not above the grammaticos, the lexicographers, um, and uh, and this has been very, very illuminating, Peter. Thank you so much.
1: Well, it's a treat to talk to you. Thank you.
0: You're in the sunken place now, Virginia. TrumpCast is produced by Jason DeLeon. Steve Liktai is the executive producer of Slate Podcasts. Andy Bowers is our chief content officer at Panoply. June Thomas is the managing producer of Slate Podcasts. John D. Domenico is our voice of Donald Trump. And I'm Virginia Heffernan.